Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. It's Randy Selzer here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Franco Perez is joining us today. He's based in California. He owns a mobile home company, and he's a real estate figure in the Bay Area of, uh, of California. So welcome, Franco. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Randy. I'm, I'm excited. Franco, I was telling you a little bit before we started today about the real estate market here in Canada, which is very similar, I think, to the real estate market in California, in that prices today are very high. They've been going up for 20 years now. There's tons of immigration, uh, people coming here from all around the world. And uh, now that interest rates have gone up, there's actually been 10 interest rate increases in a row in Canada over the last 18 months. So now rates, uh, mortgage rates are hovering around six, six and a half percent. And house prices up here in the Toronto area are at least for a, for a single family home, about a million bucks and up, million, million two. Uh, townhouses are 800,000, it's ridiculous. And little condominiums, a 600 square foot condominium, can set you back $600,000. There's a lot of high rise, especially in downtown Toronto. So one of the areas that uh, I think Canadians in general are not as maybe aware of uh, as Americans might be is the whole area of mobile homes, mobile home parks. And there are mobile home parks in the greater Toronto area, but way north of the city, especially as you go up to what we call cottage country. But it's an option, and um, I know you're the expert on this, man. And you've been on all sorts of podcasts, and you, I, I was quote, I was reading about you on Forbes magazine. I mean, holy mackerel, you're doing great. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and uh, where we should go from here. Yeah, sure. Starting off, I mean, had immigrant parents moved here from the Philippines uh, um, at about 17, 18 years old. My parents worked hard to to survive out here in the Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, and, and there was an unfortunate situation where they split. My dad was the main breadwinner. He fled. He left the country, and I was left with my single mom and my younger sister to kind of survive at 17, 18 years old. So left doing school stuff, went working right away, and I remember at the end of every month, I had to work two jobs just to pay for rent. And and many times I couldn't make it. I couldn't afford that payment. I had to borrow money from friends and let go of my pride just to just to survive. And and it was tough. And I, I remember realizing and questioning like, hey, why is it that I feel like we're good people? We we've never done anything wrong, but it's right. such an it's so unfair that we're stuck in this rat race of renting while the wealthy get to benefit of all this home ownership and feeling financially secure. And why is it that I could barely survive, right? And and I say that because I know today there's people out there that are going through that rat race, that are working very hard just to make these housing payments and feel like there's zero opportunities to be able to get a step ahead and to step out of that rental rat race, right? right. Um, and from there, I became a real estate agent for a while. I actually did it, did pretty well at it, but then I kind of hated it in a weird way because it 
the company trained me to try to help the wealthiest people I can help get this their third or fourth property or the most expensive homes that they can get. And I had to, it hurt me so much to have to turn away people and say, hey, you don't make enough money or you don't have enough saved as a down payment and you can save more or make more and and I can help you later. But I knew the truth of it is, is that nobody's giving them the proper advice. Nobody's taking the time to service them. And I know that I knew that <clears throat> it's very difficult to get out of that position. So I devoted my life to try to find a way to get people past that position and to help them even just a little bit. And I studied affordable housing. I studied why housing's this way. I did a bit of government stuff around that. Didn't really like working with the government. And I accidentally stumbled across mobile home parks. And what I thought were mobile home parks were like trailer trash places for criminals and that sort of thing. But I came to realize there was a lot of false myths around it. And there were a lot of great families that were starting their wealth building journeys in these communities and and starting fi their financial security journey in these mobile home parks as well. And I think most people don't realize that there are tons of mobile home parks throughout the country and throughout Canada and the US. They're just hidden because we don't have an excuse to be in there unless we know someone that lives there. Mm -hmm. So built a business around getting people out of the rental rat race into mobile home ownership and then help people sell their mobile homes into real estate ownership. And, and it, it became a perfect stepping stone for people to get out of that rat race that couldn't afford real estate yet, but they can afford mobile homes and then go into real estate. And today, in the last two and a half years, we're now building and converting a lot of old trailer-like homes into massive 2000 square foot three bedroom two bath homes with 12 foot high ceilings with quartz countertops with stainless steel appliances and just as beautiful as we can make them and really really pushing those stigmas and building them to as beautiful as we could be and that's where we're at today well i gotta tell you i looked at your website and yes uh it actually opened my eyes and i've been in the industry a long time uh, yes, people have a stereotypical view of trailer parks, right? It's somewhere in Alabama or in rural Canada somewhere uh, where maybe the economics are not so great. But it's, that's not true. It's a myth in in many ways. And some of the ones that are on your site, man, are just unbelievable. Like you say, 2,000 square feet uh, with high ceilings, quartz countertops. I mean, what's not to like about that? So you are a builder as well as a realtor, as well as a real estate figure, an influencer. And um, how? what would be the first thing you would tell somebody who came in to talk to you about the option of perhaps considering a trailer you know, or a, a mobile home park, a mobile home to get started? What, would, yeah, what advice would you I, give I me? What, I think what's important to understand first is the scope of kind of where real estate is and, and how... How, what the problem is in many metro areas. And I know you mentioned we're in the Bay Area, but we're all, we do a lot of work in like Southern California, Austin, Atlanta, um, and basically a lot of metro areas. I also did uh, some stuff in Vancouver as well. But a lot of these metro areas are having a big difficulty of a wealth gap when it comes to home ownership. 
So the, what's happening is I'll explain kind of the Silicon Valley area. And now our area might be much higher in dollar amount, but the ratios are typically the same nature in all of these metro cities. But in our area, the two bedroom, two bath apartment rents for about $3,400 a month, which You're is more than us. Already. You're more than us because <laughs> we're up at downtown yeah. around 3000 So that's actually more than Toronto. And Toronto is the most, yeah. well, second most expensive place. Vancouver is actually more expensive mm -hmm. than Toronto. But I digress. Sorry to yeah. interrupt you. So, no, no, it's not. It's fine. And 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 I guess, you know, and, and I, I want to express that these numbers, even though it's high, it could be half in another market as well, right? So, but right. in our area, it's $3,400 a month for a, a two-bedroom apartment in San Jose. And then to purchase a middle uh, a middle range average single family home is $1.5 million, right? And unfortunately, wow. this big gap, how do you ever dream of owning a piece of real estate when it's so difficult to purchase at, at that high amount, right? If I wanted to put 10% down, uh, that would be about $150,000. And that would be about an $8,000 monthly payment with insurance and all, all the stuff involved. Who can afford that? $8,000 a month. Who exactly. And, and 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 that's the problem is people's most working class citizens their dream of home ownership is is getting further and further away people are making sacrifices of moving out uh, out of town 2 3 hours away just to chase that dream of home ownership right now what's beautiful about mobile homes is that it's a perfect blend of both and and it's a perfect stepping stone in between because you 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 get a lot of the um, you get a lot of the ownership benefits with home ownership. You get appreciation, you get tax benefits, you get to leverage a loan to build up your net worth. And with that, with mobile homes, you get a lot of that ownership benefits while also getting a lot of the nature of renting as well. So I'll break down the numbers of an average mobile home in our area. You'll look at a purchase price of about $300,000. You have a space rent of about $1,000. And what that looks like is a 10% down instead of that huge six-digit uh, six down payment, you'll have a $30,000 down payment, which is much more attainable. And your, your monthly mortgage would look like about $2,800, right? So with that, you'll have a payment of about $3,800 a month, which is just a little bit more than what you're paying for uh, a rental apartment. However, you get a lot of the ownership benefits. You get to use a loan to build up your net worth. And against what most against what most believe, these homes are appreciating at, a, at the same rate oh, yeah. that the single family homes are appreciating as well, right? But this is the start of them building their financial security, right? And we see so many people transition from renting into mobile home ownership. And then three years later, they have an asset that they can sell and then be able to afford real estate, right? And that's the key thing is we need a bridge in between. We need stepping stones to, to better our personal cash flow to get ahead in life, right? Interesting. Now, the thousand a month that you mentioned, that's sort of like a condo maintenance fee. I'm assuming that would be, would your utilities be included in that? So your electricity or gas or water, that sort of thing, or is that separate from that? It's very similar to an HOA. 
Um, sometimes utilities HOA, are sorry. included, but yes, it covers. Yeah, it, it does cover the the amenities, the swimming pools, the gyms, all of that stuff. But the right. um, the you also I, I do want to say that you don't own the land. You are leasing the land, but you have a tied contract agreement that you own the assets and you'll always own that asset for the length that you own that home. And that itself has a value to it, right? You know, a mobile home here. And and I, I want to express that those numbers I said, let's say in Austin, Texas, we just did the numbers there, right? A median single family home price could be 600000 Rent could be about 1600 a month, but the middle ground for the mobile home is about $130,000, right? So wow. it still works. I, even though the numbers are much less, the ratios and it's still a stepping stone in that market, right? And, and I don't want people that are listening to be like, oh, this isn't relevant to me because it's millions of dollars or whatever. But there are well, these options in all metro areas. My my listeners are from all across Canada, uh, but especially in the Toronto area. And our numbers are very similar to yours in the Bay Area. A little less, but still really expensive. Uh, but yes, as you go across Canada, it's the same thing. There's some areas that are much less expensive. Austin, wow, that's that's amazing. I thought that was a hotspot, but I guess it hasn't quite caught up yet in terms of prices. No wonder so many people are moving there. And I know a buddy of mine moved to Atlanta a few years ago and he bought like a mansion down there. For, he sold his house here. And at the time it was just, he had to buy a tractor to mow his lawn. His, his yard was so big, just unbelievable. So yeah, there are differences. Uh, but I, I think what you've kind of, you've kind of got the, the, the essence here of the, when you said a couple of times, it's a stepping stone or it could be a stepping stone where you're building up some equity and uh, then step two, whether it's three years out or whatever, three, five years out, then you can step up to maybe a townhouse or a semi or something like that in the city. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, it, when, when you're in a place like with San Jose or Austin or Atlanta, do you find that there are mobile home parks uh, within the metro limits? Because we don't really have them here. That's a problem in the Toronto area. You have to go outside well, of usually, town to find them. Yeah, usually the, you'll find them like just outside of like the main metro areas. Out here in the Silicon Valley, they're kind of spread out throughout San Jose and that sort of thing. But usually you'll see them within like 20 minutes or so from the main downtown of, of that market. Um, but every market's a little bit different. Yep. Okay. And you said you did some work in Vancouver. That's interesting. That's uh, the yeah. Canada's other big city. Well, there's three big cities, but that's one of the other ones. How was that experience for you working <laughs> in Canada? It's, it's always fascinating learning different markets and different problems. And, and the main thing I did there was really just the consulting work of, of analyzing the numbers and, and how, how they can fix the housing issues there. But, but surprisingly, most people that live in these cities actually don't realize that there are several mobile home parks nearby right? And, and they are kind of hidden, um, but they are there, right? So, but it, it same dynamic, it became a perfect stepping stone. And then how do we also convert a lot of these older style homes to maximize the actual affordable housing, square living square footage in that city, right? So we do a lot of government work to try to help fix these issues and stuff as well. We were in DC kind of lobbying around around why this is valuable and great for society and that sort of thing and there's this whole the, the thing i mentioned about wealth gap is what's surprising too uh, is there's also kind of this weird information gap as well the what i you know when i 
was um, working my way to try to get to try to get ahead. There's so much that I wish I knew back then that wasn't common knowledge. But, you know, when as you start to meet wealthy individuals, it's like their common knowledge is completely different than what what I thought back then. Right. And and just like what we were talking about, the financial security, how do we understand cash flow? How do we understand that expenses don't just go one way when we're renting? It is a full payment, but sometimes it makes more sense to pay more to, if a big portion of that is going to come back to you when you sell later down the line, right? And that I never understood when I started. Um, totally agree. And I also totally agree that there can be mobile home parks that are tucked away that people drive right by every day and they don't even realize that it's there. Um, what what happens if you're in a mobile home and you want to upgrade your your home? You want to build a bigger one. You want to expand it or completely replace it with something brand new. Is there like in a in a condo, for example, you'd have to go to the board of directors and get permission? Is that sort of is there a mechanism like that where you need permission? I would assume to take out the old one, put in a there, new one. Yeah, it's not as complicated as like these HOAs or the, or boards or that sort of thing, but there are kind of state regulations but they aren't as strict as you might think you know I, I i it's always an upgrade to be able to replace an old one with a new one and what's beautiful about it is it is that it becomes a benefit for several different parties it becomes a benefit for the homeowner that's replacing their old one to a new one it becomes a benefit to the park owner as well because they love having nicer higher quality homes in their community and it's also great for the neighbors because it builds up the uh, the appreciation value of their homes as well. Kind of like uh, when people develop in, in your, you know, if your neighbor has a home that can sell for much more, it just naturally builds up the value of your neighbors as well, right? And that becomes a beautiful thing. And then when you ask how, it's really a deep understanding of kind of like if I own real estate, how can we maximize the value of our real estate? And it's the same it's the same nature as well when it comes to the mobile home. We'll typically often see a 700 square foot single wide that was built in the 70s, but it wasn't really built for high density housing. And then what will happen is that we'll be able to explain to them, hey, your home might be worth 120 now. However, if you replace this home with a new home, that would cost about $250,000. But guess what? Your future sale value your your new ARV of your home is now worth $400,000 when you sell later down the line plus we can spread out your your payment to convert to replace this to to a monthly payment that will benefit you later right so it becomes a win-win for them because one they more than double their square footage they also up the quality of their living they get to add square they get to add a bedroom or an office for the kids and that sort of thing and plus a lot of health and safety benefits and and energy benefits as well. So fireproof exteriors, you got drywall, you have dual pane windows and all the smart tech that you, you want um, and, and basically up their living and be able to help them have and build up the asset that they have, which a lot of people don't realize that owning a mobile home, can ha can you can build up that asset and invest in it to, make it worth more as well. Um, this is probably a dumb question. For somebody like me, a veteran of the industry, I don't know the answer to this. You mentioned that the land uh, in a mobile home park is leased. Okay, I got it. 
Uh, how does taxation work? How does how do municipal taxes work? They they must have some sort of tax. I mean, we're talking about city hall here. So how do they how do they determine that when you're leasing the land, but you own the the structure? How does that work? There's still some city tax to pay, correct? Correct. And and this isn't directed tax advice, but no, but I understand. It's different understand. per state, and, and usually. Usually it's pretty similar to property tax in your jurisdiction. And what that usually looks like is about 1% of what the home value is. Um, but it, it is going to be different case by case on each city. But the key thing that I want to express too is that we have we actually have a lot of people that downsize from regular real estate to mobile homes because they're sick of paying huge, huge taxes, right? So if they own... A, uh, a a two million dollar home one percent is what am I doing my math real quick like twenty k a year am I doing That's that right yeah no or you're one. right so so they're paying huge amounts of taxes and we have a lot of retirees that want to downsize and make pay less whereas like here the average tax would be about three thousand dollars a year right which is a huge tax cut from and and you're paying way less right so. Yes, you do pay a property tax, but there's benefits to that too. I think we got to get get you up here to the Toronto area. We got to talk to some developers. There's people holding land that's just sitting there. Nobody's doing it. A little uh -huh. bit outside of the city. Man, what an opportunity because we have a complete housing shortage in Canada. Uh -huh. You know what's interesting? Yeah. Uh, you're in the U.S. I'm in Canada. You're on the West Coast. I'm on the east part, eastern part of North America. But a lot of the stuff we're talking about is the same. You know, it really is from two different countries. We got the same issues here. We really do. And uh, I don't know, you can point fingers at whoever you want to point fingers at. We had a period of super low interest rates for a long time through the pandemic and all the rest of that, where people here were getting, uh, you know, 2% mortgages. Basically, we had 2% mortgages and even under two for a while. Um, so it was free money. You know, here's some free money to go buy a house. And we had just endless bidding wars and just frenzy. People were buying stuff and pre-construction where people would uh, buy an entire subdivision before it even gets built, that kind of stuff, or a high-rise condo before it's, they even start uh, building it. And um, because the money was so cheap. And then reality has kind of sunk in now. Uh, and uh, in the U.S. as well, I think the Federal Reserve there is more hawkish than here even. They want to get inflation back down. Because they they created it, they created the problem by having free money for a long time, and there's other reasons. People blame immigrants. Uh, there's a big issue up here in Canada. I'm a pro-immigration guy. I really am. Uh, it's a big country. It's a big continent. There's plenty of room for everybody. And we're all immigrants. Your family was immigrants. My grandparents were. We're all in, pretty much everybody here is an immigrant, and I think it's 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 a good thing. But the problem in Canada yeah. is that they kind of threw the doors wide open the last few years without planning to think, well, wait a minute, maybe there's not enough places for all these people to live. Last year, they let in a million people in, into Canada, one million people. And our total population was like 37 million. But on a percentage basis, it's huge. And it, mm -hmm. it's kind of made, and it's what's sad is that a lot of these guys that have come from countries all around the world, they kind of got set up because they get here and they're all, and they're educated, you know, they got MBAs from other countries and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but they look around and they, they see the cost of living is just nuts. It's just nuts. And they say, I was talking to a guy, an IT specialist 
from another country. I won't say where. Uh, talking to him about a month ago. And he says, Randy, you know, my wife and I, we might go back. He says, I can earn almost the same amount of money back home in Asia, back home. And uh, the cost of living is one quarter what it is here. And what do you say to that? I mean, we don't, that's the kind of situation we've got ourselves into. The United States is so diverse that you can go in the middle part of the country. You can go to Nebraska or something where, you know, life is, is less expensive, but people naturally kind of gravitate towards where their jobs and especially the tech industry where they're high paying jobs, like in Silicon Valley and the Bay area, that's, we're not quite there, but we're, we're right up there. We're just behind you guys in terms of pricing. It's the same, same thing. So, but yeah. here I there's a low, it's low consciousness. People are not, a, nobody thinks about, well, wait a minute. What if they built a mobile park here? You know, and it had a hundred mobile homes in here. That's another hundred homes for people, and it gets them into the mm -hmm. real estate market. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great idea. Well, you you mentioned kind of you know who, what's the point the finger and at and and that sort of thing. And interest rates definitely is one. And and I think it's a lot of you know it's not who or or, but it's more of like hey, what are the real facts? What are the issues that we're facing? And that's why there's similar issues in Canada and the US and all metro markets is is there's also to blame is is construction is getting very difficult to develop new housing we also yeah. have material costs getting much much higher but one of the big big issues that we're going to face soon is that most of our skilled labor the people actually working to build these homes they're yes. 45 and older and going to retire soon and we don't have young generation people that are excited to work with a hammer and start building something. And, and these are going to be big issues that we're facing. And that's why recent, it was only until recently that it, it was a long time until mobile homes parks were starting to get built. And now in recent times, we're starting to see that. And, and there's this whole analogy I like to say is that, you know, it's very, cars originally were only really built for the rich and wealthy to afford and it was only until we were able to build these in factories on assembly lines at a process streamlined fashion that we made it affordable and accessible to everybody and that's mm -hmm. exactly what we're doing with mobile homes we're we're getting material at the lowest cost possible we're built we're building these on an assembly line in a factory at a fast rate and keeping quality very high and then the end product ends up becoming a much more affordable home and a quality home and this is not something that's like a, a prototype for the future it's something that's being built right now at at thousands at at the thousands in our country and if we don't fix the housing issue now we're going to, it's only going to get worse. And that's the sad truth, but people don't yes. realize how bad of a problem it is. And, and, you know, it becomes a perfect use case because we're able to maximize, you know, the skilled labor that we have, and we're able to keep the cost of building these homes more affordable as well, because in many markets, you know, I believe in Vancouver to build a, a single family home averaged about just construction alone was about $500,000. Whereas we were able to do the math and to build a mobile home in that area, the cost of construction was about $110,000, right? So it becomes a perfect win Interesting for a lot of these areas. And when we build them in factories, everything we own is built in factories to be able to streamline the cost. You know, our phones, our laptops, our cars, 
and but housing has been built the same for over a hundred years and and we need to better that process well i know something you just said a minute ago is so true uh try to find a 25 year old bricklayer who wants to be a bricklayer for the rest of his life his or her life try to find that person they're hard to find the skilled trades there's a shortage it's the same thing we are exactly the same and so we get people coming over a lot of people from europe who know how to lay bricks or you know or they're electricians or plumbers or whatever but that's that's a sad truth that most people today especially younger people they'd rather be in a white collar job you know they'd rather be on tiktok or something you know what i mean <laughs> sorry but mm -hmm. it is a it is the sad truth right now and yes there is a shortage of skilled trades absolutely man so i like i like what you're doing i really do and if you're ever up in toronto don't come in the winter though you you'd regret it believe me it's like detroit or chicago very cold but if you're ever up here look me up man and uh i think you have a great idea there and i think it's timely because I can see, like I said, even though we're on different countries, different sides of the continent, we have the same problems. There's a huge affordability gap there. And young people especially, I worry about. Because what are they going to do, you know, when you, when you need $200,000 down payment? Even if you get gifted that by your parents, let's say, you still can't qualify for the mortgage at today's rates. It's not going to work. So uh, I think what you've got something here that could be a perfect solution for many people. Now we just have to, you know, we have to convince uh, landowners or people who own property just outside of the metro area that this would be a great idea as an investment to provide that land to create a mobile home park. Why not? Why not? I think it's a great idea. So there you go. Any other words of wisdom? <laughs> Franco, it's a pleasure uh, talking I, to I, you, man. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was amazing talking to you too. I think I think with that, you know, we talk a lot about the quality of these homes. I think people listening on a podcast can actually see it visually. I do urge people to kind of see. Um, I guess that's part why our YouTube channel does really well as well because people are like shocked that these are mo what mobile homes look like. Um, but definitely try to see the level of quality because these factories work so hard and our team does a great job of really beautifying what mobile homes are perceived. And we face a lot of these bad stigmas because of what movies portray and that sort of thing. But we have to actually yeah. take in real information and, and and we love showing the world what it actually looks like on our YouTube channel. So, um, but I, I urge people to kind of see that yeah. actually visually. I'm going to put links to your website and to your YouTube and to your Instagram, which is phenomenal. I'll put links to all of those <laughs> uh, underneath the video and also in the podcast as well. So thank you, Franco. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. You're welcome to come back anytime on my podcast and have a great day. Thank you for all your great ideas. I think I think it's sort of an eye-opener moment for a lot of people who are going to, to watch this and listen to this that, hey, wait a minute, there is an alternative out there that's not being properly developed we should be doing this and uh who knows maybe we'll see you up here sometime uh developing and uh and building uh, helping to build a new park that would be great although you're probably too busy to do that now it sounds like you're that, that business is good so that's fantastic well i i, I don't believe in <laughs> i don't ever believe in being too busy I, you know i think what's what's beautiful about what we're doing and why we do consulting is we want to enable others in other areas to help build this out too and and it sounds Great. 
cliche, but I, I do feel like for me, it's it's more of creating an impact versus trying to do things ourselves. And, and if more people could do this as well, that would help the overall big picture. And that would be a beautiful thing. And on that note, which is a beautiful note. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here today. Have a great day. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.